Brew Strong is brought to you by Blickman Engineering, home of the top-tier brewing stand. Visit them online at BlickmanEngineering.com. Time for the beer radio you've been looking for. This is the show that dispels myths, tackles the toughest topics, and makes no apologies for geeking out on beer. Hosted by two guys that drink before they think, Jamil Zainashev and John Palmer. This is Brew Strong. Hey, howdy, hey, my Bruin brothers and sisters. Here's Johnny. <laughs> Here's Johnny. Johnny well, Palmer, you know. my, my, my Bruin brother. <laughs> That's me. All right. Although Johnny is not the appellation I've usually gone with, but, you know, it works for nostalgia's sake. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And uh, we're here for another uh, fantastic series of shows. We're going to actually be dealing with um, high gravity brewing. We're going to we're going to break it down. Uh, we're going to be brewing strong. We're going to be brewing strong. Absolutely. Well, Am and I the only one that saw that pun. <laughs> you know, uh, I find it interesting. I was thinking about this uh, earlier today. The we have a different type of listener for brew strong than we do for can you brew it, and than we do for like the Sunday session. Yeah, they, it's 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 a different kind of listener. I, there's some overlap, sure. Yeah, and I always thought it was pretty much the same people, you know, listening to all of them. But that's not really the case. I think on Bruce Strong, we've got uh, some of the uh, some of the more intelligent listeners and the ones who are uh, who are interested in learning more about brewing. And you'd think, well, you know, if you're if you have to learn more, well, maybe you're not that intelligent. Maybe you don't know that much about brewing. Uh, not, not not true. No, uh, yeah, because I've I've talked to several uh, pro brewers that say they listen to the show, so that's that's really cool. Mm-hmm. Well, and uh, that's that's the thing. You know, the the more you learn, the more you realize there's a whole lot more to learn. It's yeah, like um, if you talk to uh, Chris White about yeast, uh, you know, he he'll readily admit he doesn't know everything there is to know about yeast. You know, why Why is that? Chris, you don't know everything there is about yeast? Says, well, no, there's a lot to know about yeast. And there's a lot more to still be discovered about yeast and, and understanding it, you know, uh, versus. And, you know, yeah. for Can You Brew It, you know, great, great bunch of listeners. But again, there's a, there's a subset there mm-hmm. that I think they just listen because they just want to get a recipe. And they think they already know everything about brewing. And they got a bit of a Maybe, bit of a dude, you, you know, some of these guys. And I think you know, it's a real <laughs> shame because there's a lot to learn from uh, Kenya Bruett. Yeah. You know, I well, I've noticed that at NHC too. I mean, you know, some years, well, I'm, whenever I go to NHC, you know, you meet all kinds of people from all over the country, mm-hmm. and you, I was, I remember being really surprised to find out that there's a whole bunch of people that go to the conference that don't uh, go to the the technical talks that you know that they have mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and 
I mean, that's that's what I'm there for practically. I'm I'm going to find out, you know, what other people are doing, hear the latest and greatest on different topics, right? And you know, a lot of the guys, you know, they have different reasons. You know, they're they're just there to socialize, or they're they don't think that the topic, you know, that's being offered is very interesting. Mm-hmm. But um, then I'll see them a couple years later, and then and they've started going to the topics. And it's, you know, I think a lot of it is, as you say, you've got to you've got to learn enough to realize what it is you don't know mm-hmm. and what you want to find out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, you know, the, the more, you know, the, uh, as my history teacher used to say, you know, knowledge makes things interesting. So, you know, the more you, the more you learn about brewing, uh, the more you realize there is to know about it and the more interesting it becomes. Well, I, I don't know if I, I told this story before, but I was in uh, New Orleans for a conference for work. And, you know, the nearest beer bar was right across the street was the new Gordon Beers that had, had opened up there. So I went in there, I was trying the beers, and at one point I see a bunch of guys that, you know, kind of look like me, uh, wander in, wearing beer, various beer shirts, and all gather around at a table, and, uh, you know, it's right next to me, and I, I said, hey, uh, you guys uh, wouldn't have to be, like, homebrewers or something. And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I thought, <laughs> oh, that's cool. You know, started chatting a little bit, and uh, I said, do you, you know, I was talking to this one guy, I said, do you... Do you uh, you know participate in any like the online forums or anything like that? And uh, you know, and he says no. And I said, oh, you know. He goes, no, no, no. He goes, I've been brewing fifteen, twenty years. He says, I know everything there is to be about brewing. Nobody can tell me anything that I don't already know about brewing. He goes, that, that's a waste of my time because I, I I know everything there is about brewing. He was serious. Really? Well, that's weird. I was just like, oh. Uh, Guess there's nothing really. Yeah, what do you even say to that, about. right? Yeah. yeah, it's like I was just stunned. I'm thinking, oh my god, you know, and and I look at uh, you know all my my brewing idols, you know, and and uh, you know all these people that we've had on as guests on this show, and yourself, uh, John. You know, I look look up to you guys and say, you know, these guys know a lot about brewing, but I I guarantee you, they don't know everything about brewing, and they'll they'll readily admit. They don't know everything about brewing. There's so much more to learn. Yeah, I think Dr. Charlie Bamforth, who's written books and and studied the science of this, would tell you, I learn every day. Yeah. He's, uh, you know, a a prime example. He knows so much that, you know, he he knows that (laughs) there's still a lot to learn. Yeah. So I think it's kind of sad that, uh, you know, we got, I think there's some people out there that, uh, you know, feel like, oh, no, there's nothing really to learn. I can't really improve my beer. My beer is perfect. And, you know, oh, I'm, I'm just going to, you know, do it. And I think those people who, who tend to think that way, mm-hmm. I don't think they can take those Kenya Brute recipes and brew clones. I don't think they can. Right. I think they're, you know, they're going to probably be people say, well, this isn't really the recipe because mine didn't turn out anything like. Right. You know, the <laughs> well, they're example. right in that they know how to make beer. The guy, knew, right. he knows how to make beer. Period. Sure. But that's right. it. It just he can make beer. Yeah, exactly. That's it. And I guess if you you enjoy it, that's fine. Yeah. But yeah, uh, yeah. you know, I, I just I think it's disappointing when there's so much to learn and so many opportunities, and you know, the Bruin Network providing a lot of a lot of good opportunities for people to learn. Uh, you know, it's it's just a shame. So yeah. Well, and uh, you know, one guy that uh, is out there and and has that same uh, 
attitude, you know, knows a lot, but is interested in, in learning more uh, all the time. Our great sponsor, John Blickman, Blickman Engineering. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's one of those guys where, you know, he, he asks as many questions, probably more questions than, uh, you know, he gives out gives out answers. You know, he's always, he's trying to, uh, you know, improve his products and, uh, and yeah. learn more about brewing and, you know. That's that's a, a great way to be, I think. Yeah, but, you know, these are the guys that always have you know that that spark of interest. You know, always looking towards, you know, what don't I know? What what mm-hmm. what can what can I learn today? Yeah, yeah. And, uh, it definitely definitely makes a difference in his products. Right. Well, great products. You go to BlickmanEngineering dot com. Uh, Blickman with two ends at the end there, and. Uh, Check out their products. You can uh, ask for at your local homebrew shop. They sell uh, all over the place, and it's great stuff. I got myself a, 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 a whole Blickman setup, and I <laughs> haven't quite put it all together yet. Um, you know, time is is tight lately, but boy, you know, I've been drooling over all the the pieces and parts at this point. And yeah, uh, it's sweet setup. Really oh is. yeah, and one of the cool things about it, if you're brewing high gravity beers, and you need to uh, uh, have a bigger mash ton, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, to get more grain in there. Well, you can easily swap out uh, different size kettles on that system, on the top tier system. Yeah, yeah. and uh, you know, it makes it very easy to go from like I like to make five gallons of a mild, and I like to make ten gallons of a barley wine. And people mm-hmm. are like, well, people tend to do it the reverse all the time. It's like, well, why? Well. Because I like to age the uh, barley wine, uh, the mild I like to drink quickly, and so I don't want it sitting around a long time. Right. So right. I tend to, you know, want to do the opposite. I want to be able. To, I want to go from a real small <laughs> mash tun to a real big one, and uh, not change anything else, not change my kettle size or anything like that. So that uh, top tier system that I have uh, allows me to do that. So that's going to be uh, great to finally get that set up and uh, maybe knock out some of these Kenya Brewit beers. All right, so uh, we are going to get into high gravity brewing. So it was uh, a request that came in uh, while we were doing our package gasm shows, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It was. Yeah, uh, yeah somebody uh, had. If you're if you're listening live, you can go to the the Brewing Network site, and there is a uh, a chat now button. You click on that. You type in anything as a screen name. There's no password needed or anything. And you get right in, and Justin's uh, moderating the uh, the chat, and uh, there's uh, you know other people in there that are listening as well, and you can actually ask questions, provide feedback to the show uh, live while it's happening. Uh, we tend not to take phone calls because we don't have somebody to screen them, and we you know God knows you know it might be one of those can you brew it listeners that's coming over yeah. and you know gonna yeah mess I mean up, so. people would think that Justin would screen calls for us, but uh, you know he really is committed to that board and uh he's busy there committed so. to doing nothing <laughs> yeah thank you palmer for putting yeah, it that way yeah, he pretty much gets up in the middle you know as soon as we're 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 deep into uh, our discussion he gets yeah. up he leaves he yeah, well, it's off. always fun to see him lunge back towards the microphone when we actually mention his name. <laughs> yeah in the meantime i'm doing laundry <laughs> just out in the other room. <laughs> Timer went off. Oh, time for a break. <laughs> Got to go. <laughs> Good luck, gents. All right. <laughs> anyway, so, uh, yeah, somebody said, hey, they had a question about high-gravity brewing. I thought, yeah, that's an excellent topic for, for us to uh, to break down. So we're going to, we're gonna you know, we're going to have a uh, high-gravity series. 
All right. Show. <laughs> I've run out of sexual sounding things. For Just it. leave it as it is. Wow, we actually have to be serious for <laughs> yeah, this one. Yeah, gravity yeah. series. Well, you know, the email itself was a little, you know, amusing because you know uh, he was wondering you know, what what the change in weight of the brew pot would be under you know different gravity situations. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, two G, three G, and so on. But, is it going to be three shows? It could be a high gravitoire. Something if you're looking for, an, for another another <laughs> gasm, you know, there's, there's series. <laughs> I think we'll have to save that. I don't know. We may go. We may go four shows. Who knows? Yeah. All, All right. right. So it's a high gravity series. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Get your mind out of the gutter. All right. And uh, let's take a short break. And when we come back, we will get into uh, high gravity. Uh, back after this. Right. Brew smart. Brew strong. This is Brew Strong. Cutting edge equipment from Blickman Engineering is designed by brewers to make your brew day shorter, more enjoyable, and to give you a sense of pride in your equipment. At Blickman, they know what makes brewing a pain and build gear that makes it fun. Like the intuitive beer gun, a completely different approach to filling bottles. The Therminator Wart Chiller, a new take on a plate chiller that's sized for flow, performance, and the high groundwater temps homebrewers face every day. The Brewmometer, a brilliant weldless thermometer design with brewing parameters right on the dial. The Auto Sparge, ultimate simplicity for preventing an overflow or running your mash tun dry. And much more, like the modular top-tier brewing stand, conical fermenters, and their boiler maker brew pots. With more cutting-edge equipment coming soon, keep up with the latest from Blickman at BlickmanEngineering.com and stay on the cutting edge. Downtown Joe's, located in the historic Oberon Building in beautiful downtown Napa, California, offers an award-winning brew pub experience from 8.30 a.m. to 1 a.m. every day. For 15 years at the corner of 2nd and Main, Downtown Joe's has been voted Best Night Spot seven times and Best Brew Pub for the last four years in a row. Brewmaster Colin Kaminsky's handcrafted ales, like his Tailwagon Amber Ale and Catherine the Great Imperial Stout, are the perfect accent to riverside dining, live music, and a relaxing outdoor patio. Don't miss the Beer of the Month, special rotating taps, and happy hour all day Mondays. Visit downtownjoes.com to make reservations, peruse their extensive calendar of events, or just read more about their fantastic beers. Come enjoy the fine beer, food, and music. Downtown Joe's, the award-winning brew pub where you'll feel at home. And now, Northern Brewer brings you another installment of The The Time Brewers. Three brewers, three different eras, all caught in the same fermento chronological vortex, traveling through time, righting brewing wrongs, and bringing beery wisdom to where and whenever it may be needed. Journey now with 
Dr. Jean de Clerc. Greetings, listeners. 20th century Belgian super brewing scientist. Please, please, the yeast and the enzymes do the hard work. I am merely a facilitator. Icebox. What, what? 21st century Norwegian American home brewer rapper from St. Paul. Listen, listen. I bust attenuation maxims and my yakima magnums make my lager so smooth it's like a laxative. My spit got that static power after I mash for an hour. I got naked ladies in my brew room all covered in hot flowers. I swing a propagation flask like a five liter dick. Get your nasty mid-drinking group on us back to 1026, boo! And Brother Abelard. Off that witch. Be gone! 12th century English monk and perpetuator of brewing superstition. My holy rod of divine bubbling shall maketh any ale to froth by the grace of heaven. And a modicum of bog myrtle hurts not either. Brought to you by Northern Brewer, your one-stop homebrew supplier throughout the entire Fermento chronosphere. The widest selection of quality malt, hops, yeast, and equipment with $7.99 flat rate shipping. Tune in next time for more Time Brewers! Hilo, what's it feel like? Take awesome and multiply it by two. Yeah! <laughs> Spraying live beer radio all over your face. <laughs> Can't get any better than this, baby. <laughs> it's the Brewing Network. Back to the two guys that know how to turn beer into beer. This is Brew Strong. All right, we're back. We're talking uh, high gravity brewing. Right, so, like like we usually do, let's uh, let's kind of kick off with a definition of uh, high gravity brewing. And and you know, I, I get a lot of uh, people asking me, "Well, how high gravity is high uh, gravity? Yeah, <laughs> is there a, really a cutoff there, John, or you know, a, a, well, like a general guideline th- or?" Yeah, I think I think there's you know various guidelines from you know mm-hmm. different uh, different contexts, different people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in terms of the regular hop utilization formulas, uh, the gu- the guideline is ten fifty. Anything mm-hmm. higher than ten fifty is considered high gravity. Hmm. Um, you know, if you if you look towards uh, a lot of uh, current beer styles, uh, you know, maybe more like ten fifty five. Things above ten fifty five or ten sixty is is considered high gravity. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, these days you look at uh, commercial craft beers and microbrews, and you know, you'll you'll see pale ales. You know, um, in other words, you know, broadly a session beer uh, up to ten fifty five, ten fifty seven. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but yeah, at least, probably ten fifty five to ten sixty and over. Uh, that's pretty much where we're talking about high gravity, and then. Uh, certainly when you're talking anything 1070 and above. Right. Well, and, you know, uh, sometimes I'll get email questions from people, and they're like, yeah, I'm brewing a high-gravity beer, and, you know, some of them are in the kind of 1080 range, and I'm thinking, yeah, yeah, high-gravity, and some of them, they're like, you know, yeah, my starting gravity is (laughs) 1.150, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, holy smokes, or 1.2. I'm yeah. like, you got to be kidding me. Now, that's some super high gravity. That's like in a whole nother world. Yeah. Yeah, really, you get over to, you get over to uh, 1.0. Um, 
you know, or uh, sorry, one one point one zero, and uh, then that's that that really adds another twist to the equation. I mean, we you've got to t- take extra steps beyond uh, what we're going to talk initially talk about today and mm-hmm. uh, over the next couple of shows. Mm-hmm. Those are definitely high stress situations. So you know. My thought is, you know, if you're going to make, a, you know, a big beer, probably one of the very fundamental things that you need to think about before you, you know, heat up any water is, you know, fermentability. Yeah. You know, how, you know, how is fermentability important in making high-gravity beers? It keeps... I mean, the difference between a good beer and a poor beer when you're when you're talking high gravity um, is the the amount of attenuation. You know, is it cloying or not? Can or is it a um, a satisfying beer? Mm-hmm. You know, and you know, it, for for me, um, I think you, there's everybody. A lot of people, you know, are familiar with um, IPAs, West Coast IPAs. And double IPAs or imperial IPAs, you know, you look at uh, you look at a single IPA like say Stone IPA or um, um, what's uh, you know Goose Island IPA. There's you know lots of good examples of a good standard IPA. You're talking mm-hmm. you know ten fifty to ten sixty OG. Uh, then you talk about maybe a West Coast IPA uh, where you're talking more like ten seventy mm-hmm. on on that IPA, and that would generally be kind of a more all malt version you know it's a it's a it's a it's a strong beer to all, usually all malt and when homebrewers are doing those very often you can end up with a beer that has so much body to it that you know it's really one beer that you you know drink over an hour i mean it's you know you can't drink you can't quaff that beer it's just too big a beer mm-hmm. because it, it isn't um the malt body and so on doesn't allow it to attenuate very well mm-hmm. well then you go to a double IPA like um, Pliny the Elder or um, a- Avery Maharaja or you know uh, several several different examples you know those are a much more drinkable beer um, certainly you know knock your socks off after a while but um, they're a lot easier to drink a lot of because the attenuation is much lower and they, they've They've reduced the the uh, final gravity of that beer, mm-hmm. um, so it isn't so heavy. Right, and, like uh, Pliny the Elder, starting gravity is like in the ten seventies, and mm-hmm. it finishes in the single digits, like you know ten yeah. ten ten nine, uh, or down around in there. And yeah, that dryness, that that you know, uh, full attenuation and and not having that heavy body makes it far more drinkable. Yeah, I, I find double IPAs to be a lot more drinkable for me than a single than I'll say a West Coast single IPA mm-hmm. because of the better attenuation. Or right, yeah, and and very often you know these these brewers of double IPAs you know recognize that they're brewing a big beer and they take you know take that into account. They and they'll they'll increase the fermentability of that wort. Mm-hmm. By either adding simple sugars or you know changing their mash profile, so they but they know they're going to drive the the uh, the fermentability up and the final attenuation down to keep that a more easy drinking beer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Well, and uh, so, um, you know, I, I did a uh, interview with uh, Matt Brindelson uh, earlier today for uh, one of my favorite uh, IPAs, which is Union Jack. Yeah, that's a good one. And uh, he was saying um, on that, they're they're trying to ferment, they uh, do a mash uh, rest at uh, uh, 145 degrees Fahrenheit to uh, for an hour trying to uh, make it as fermentable as possible so it'll finish out um, as dry as possible. Mm-hmm. And he said that uh, uh, one of his suggestions for for listeners trying to clone that beer was, well, you know, if your situation, your equipment ends up with a beer that just won't attenuate quite enough, don't be afraid to swap out some base malt for some simple sugars to make the wort more fermentable to get that dry finish because that dry finish is important in you mm-hmm. know uh, replicating that beer does union jack use simple sugars do you know no he doesn't okay it's i didn't all, think so yeah it's all malt and all dri- i'm, and I'm driven actually by the mash. drinking some right now uh uh-huh. justin brought back from the socal brew fest uh so <clears> i'm enjoying some luscious uh union jack so it yeah. does have, uh, you know, some body to it and, uh, you know, some malt character to it that, um, you know, it is a fuller, richer beer than, uh, you know, kind of the base of something like Pliny, which is, you know, even, even uh, you know, drier. Right. But, I mean, but there again, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a difference between Union Jack and a lot of other strong IPAs you can get and, and Union Jack is a much more drinkable beer mm-hmm. because of that that fermentability is high mm-hmm. well and now so you know we're talking about fermentability but you know isn't the the common wisdom amongst homebrewers for a long time uh, gee if uh, if you've got sweetness I just throw in more hops and uh, balance it with more bitterness I mean why can't well, you just do that yeah, because that really th- that attempts to cover up the problem. It doesn't solve the problem. Mm-hmm. And, this, and the problem we're trying to solve is, you know, keeping a high gravity beer very drinkable. Mm-hmm. You, I mean, everybody, it's easy to make a high gravity beer. And Lord, I've had had these at fests and you know and homebrew you know uh, club meetings where you know generally a, a fairly new brewer, you know, maybe is third or fifth batch will go for the barley wine he's always dreamed of and it's this you know very rich very sweet very heavy beer you know it may it may taste all right but um you know a little four ounces or so will fill you up um it's it's not something you can drink a lot of where if uh, if you address that recipe by saying I'm going to brew something that has a starting gravity of say 1090 or 10100, but I'm going to you know add some simple sugars to that recipe, and I'm going to drive the final attenuation, you know, keep it in the low teens, um, you know, instead of 1020, um, it becomes a lot easier beer to drink, mm-hmm. and, and drink more than just a little of. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, and, uh, you know, one of the concerns uh, a lot of uh, brewers have is like, well, I don't want to add, you know, uh, table sugar to my beer because it's going to make it taste cidery and thin. Well, that is is a a legitimate concern, but you got to know how to handle it. You've, 
Um, cidery beer is a result of um, excess um, acetyl, uh, acetylaldehyde, acetyl alcohol that's generated by the yeast. Uh, and that is due to, you know, uh, stressed yeast. Um, so if you don't get, you know, it, it goes back to what we've said about good, you know, healthy yeast and a good fermentation. Mm-hmm. Um, the, if you have enough yeast uh, and you don't uh, you know, subject the yeast to just a, a, a simple sugar environment, um, they will uh, ferment that beer uh the, the right way and you won't en- end up with those cidery flavors mm-hmm. well and uh you know I, I think a lot of that goes back to uh you know the kitten kilo brewing where right where you were adding you know uh, a kit and a kilo of sugar you know and and 60 percent of your 66 percent of your fermentables were coming right. from table sugar and then right. fermented hot, and you get the solventy, you know, acetaldehyde, uh, you know, cidery beer. <clears throat> yeah, and it'd be thin because there isn't a lot of uh, residual sugars, unfermentable sugars, in in that kind of case. Yeah. And that that that's the classic thing. And I think that carried over for a long, long time to, you know, a hatred of of using sugar. But sugar is yeah. a great tool in adjusting ferment fermentability and. Uh, of keeping a beer from being overly heavy with uh, too much uh, unfermentable malt character. Yeah, but Jamili, like even in some of the some of the Belgian uh, styles, I mean, mm-hmm. what are we talking there? Maximum twenty, thirty percent uh, simple sugars in those styles mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. versus you know a kitten kilo, where as you say, you know, you're talking you know forty to sixty percent simple sugars. And uh, that that kind of tips the balance, you know, towards uh, for the for, as far as yeast health and and fermentation health. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So and then, you know unless you, unless you really know how to uh, ferment, you know, drive fermentation with that much simple sugar, it can end up cidery. So um, yeah, I mean the more the more we talk about uh, the mechanics of fermentation and you know try to help educate everybody on you know what what a good fermentation is uh we really do move away from uh the the cidery faults and the fusel alcohol faults that you can get with hypergravity brewing mm-hmm. right well and uh you know let's talk a kitten kilo uh, reminds me i'm, I'm gonna be in uh, in melbourne australia for the uh, uh oh, beer, that's right. and, beer and brewer uh uh, Expo May nineteenth through the twenty second. I'll be in town there. So if you're around, give a big, yeah, give a big good day for everybody for me. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be talking about uh, uh, the uh, you know the basics of brewing and and whatever else people want me to talk about in some uh, some presentations during the the uh, yeah. expo and then kind of meeting up with some locals down there. It'll be a lot of fun. Oh yeah, yeah. Not that they're all kitten kilo brewers by any means. Right, right. But that's kind of where the phrase comes from, is uh, at least where I've heard the phrase "kitten kilo." So, and I think uh, Cooper's was one of the first to you know start making uh, uh, like you know brewing kits, right? That's right. So they are going to be a sponsor, and we're going to have a lot of fun with that. All right, let's take a short break, and when we come back, uh, we can get into uh, determining um, if the extract you're using is going to need some sort of adjustment with uh, simple sugar. Back after this.
your carboy cap on. This is Bruce Strong. We'll be right back. Do you support the Brewing Network? Do you brew your own? Are you looking for any economical, fun, and legal way to do both? Subscribe to Brew Your Own magazine and do just that. All year long, Brew Your Own will surprise you, entertain you, and educate you with articles on beer and brewing from authors like the Brewing Network's very own Jamel Zedashev and John Palmer. Each issue is a full pint of brewing techniques, homebrew stories, tips and photos, projects to make yourself, and recipes for the avid home brewer. Get your tough questions answered by Mr. Wizard and polish your style accuracy with Jamil. A portion of every subscription goes to the Brewing Network, so subscribe today at byo.com slash brewing network or just click the BYO logo on the Brewing Network homepage and support a fantastic hobby and your favorite broadcaster. Brew your own. The how-to homebrew beer magazine. Hi, this is Push from the Brewing Network, and I want to tell you about the Brewmaster's Warehouse and how you can get 10% off your next order. I'm a pretty techie guy, but I've never seen an online store like this. It's awesome. Go to brewmasterswarehouse.com and click on Brew Builder. You can whip up a custom recipe so easily even Sven could do it. Seriously, it's slick. You can share your recipe with your own logo and notes to the Brewmaster's database if you want. And the best part, it keeps a running tally of the beer you're building while you're doing it. Then, bam, click Buy Recipe and your cart is filled and ready to go with helpful suggestions in case you forgot something. This thing is amazing. Brewmaster's Warehouse is run the way a home brewer would do it with great service, fast turnaround, and $6.99 flat rate shipping. Brewmaster's Warehouse and the Brew Builder blew me away. Check it out today at brewmasterswarehouse.com. I'm serious. And don't forget to put BNARMY in the discount code box for 10% off your order. Check out brewmasterswarehouse.com. Cheers. Hey, Push, the new brewery's looking good. Thanks, Finn. Piece by piece. Well, let's fire up. Whoa! Is that a new kettle? Yeah, just got it brand new, but paid half price. What? And that blade scale? 40% off. The new tap handle? Five bucks instead of 13. Got a new regulator for the brew stand, too, but five bucks instead of 25. Dude, where are you stealing all this stuff from? Where else? The more beer deal of the day. Announcing the Beer, Beer, and More Beer Deal of the Day. Every day, a new fantastic deal from big items to small that will blow you away. Boil kennels, carboy carriers, sterile siphon starters, digital timers. Watch morebeer.com every day for a new deal, and you just might find the item you've been waiting for at a price you cannot believe. Hurry, because stock is limited on most items. And that sweet Guinness cap, let me guess. The The More Beer beer Deal deal of the day. Day. Yeah, I knew it. Come on, let's brew something. Find the More Beer Deal of the Day at morebeer.com. Celebrity Voices Impersonated. You're listening to the Brewing Network. Back to the beer guys that make other beer guys look like wine guys. Brew strong. All right, we're talking uh, high-gravity brewing. 
And we've just kind of covered uh, the subject of fermentability and how important it is in high-gravity brewing. And we'll be coming back to that. Uh, fermentability is going to play a role on all the rest of uh, this this uh, series of, of shows. You know, we're going to talk uh, about fermentability and, uh, you know, how it affects fermentation, how it affects... Uh, you know, production of your wort and all that. So uh, it's 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 a key theme, and that's why uh, we covered that first. All right, so um, John, now let's say I'm an extract brewer. Um, You're an extract brewer. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you. Uh, and there's nothing wrong with that. No. Uh, <clears throat> uh, if if uh, if I'm starting with extract, and I've got a choice of uh, a bunch of different extracts. Uh, for my brewing, um, you know, wh- how do how do I make a choice when it comes to high gravity brewing for you know various extracts? I mean, well, uh, key is freshness, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, the so there's uh, two kinds, of course, uh, liquid and dry. Um, liquid extract, um, when you can get it very fresh is, um, very good to use. Um, what you want to be aware, you know, what you want to try to do is make sure it's as fresh as possible because the liquid form does tend to stale, uh, faster if it's not kept well. Um, dry malt extract on the hand, um, ages very slowly because, uh, it doesn't have the water content that, you know, allows, you know, chemical redox reactions to occur. So um, if you are, an, you know, mainly a uh, all-grain brewer um, that has decided, you know, on a whim to brew a high-gravity beer, um, keeping a stash of dry malt extract in the closet or in the, in the back of the fridge um, is a very easy way to, you know, generate this high-gravity work. Mm-hmm. Um, with your current equipment, mm-hmm. um, you know. On the other hand, if you you know plan this out a bit, then you can say, okay, I'm going to brew um, a high gravity beer, and you you can head off to your local homebrew shop and get you know um, several pounds or you know several gallons of of high quality, very fresh uh, liquid malt extract. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, freshness is is the key there. Um, the color of the extract is another important aspect because uh, when you're brewing these high-gravity beers, and this is something I think we'll really talk more about in probably the next show when we talk about, uh, when we focus more on on the boil and how to handle the boil in a high-gravity beer, um, is you want to control uh, darkening. You want to control the kinds of flavors you're generating. Mm-hmm. So if you're trying to brew a pale high gravity beer you're going to want to start with a you know with a very a very fresh uh, liquid malt extract or a very pale dry malt extract to reduce the amount of color that you're going to be introducing to that beer um, an old malt, liquid malt extract uh, especially if it's stored warm uh, is probably darkened you know five ten degrees um, SRM or uh, you know up to 20 EBC. Right, because oxidation adds, uh, darkens things and adds That's that, right. that component. Uh, let's yeah. think about it like uh, rust, you know, turning iron rusty in the, that orange color. Good, good comparison, yeah. Um, you know, and, and a darker extract is going to have a different flavor in your beer than 
the undarkened extract. Mm-hmm. Well, and and those uh, those you know beer kits that are like uh, you know a you know some stout kit or something like that, or even you know amber ale kit. You know, it's designed uh, to make generally an average gravity beer and right. designed to be thinned out the, the the concentrations of colors and flavors and bittering and all that is, is, tends to be too much for a high gravity beer you can end up with a kind of overwhelming high gravity beer yeah yeah unless you say you're, you're heading for an imperial you know stout mm-hmm. still probably better to start with uh you know a real pale extract yeah. And a fermentable one, and you know, yeah. control it from there with uh, your yeah. specialty grains, huh? Right, you know, with your own choice of specialty grains rather than someone else's. Well, and how do you uh, and and the right amounts? I mean, even mm-hmm. if they they've got to, you know, what you might think, you know, you got to be careful about the amounts. What? Uh, how do you determine the fermentability of? Uh, let's say I have an option of uh, you know several malt extracts, dry, liquid. How do I determine which which one is fermentable? Do I just you know go on a website and read up on it, or is there some sort of test I can do in my own kitchen to to tell me how well, fermentable an extract is? Yeah, um, certainly the internet is a good uh, first source. Um, you know, you can you can read up on uh, brands that are have known um, good fermentability, um, Brees. Um, for one, and uh, uh, Alexander's, and uh, what's another Cooper's? One? Cooper's, yeah. You know, these these are these are extracts, um, and and certainly um, uh, Muntins and others. You know, extracts made by real uh, brewing companies. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. people that they're, they're they. Some some extracts are designed to be thin with sugar. You know they're designed to be kitten kilo beers, mm-hmm. but and so those extracts are made to a low fermentability because you know they they want a an extract that's only going to finish out at say ten twenty two or ten twenty five, you know with the high dextrin content because it's planned that that you know that's going to be thinned fifty percent mm-hmm. with table sugar, which would ferment uh. out you know very very low. So the balance, you know, works out to about ten ten, mm. you know, mm-hmm. normal final gravity. But you know, th- and that's so if, if you're, you know, don't choose an extract that's that is part of a kit, you know, like a canned kit or kitten kilo that's designed to be thin with sugar to make a certain style. Go for a, a straight pale malt extract or extra light extract, one that you know is intended to be used. Um, all malt uh, and have a have a uh, a high degree of fermentability. Mm-hmm. Now, how do you determine that in the in the in the lab or I mean in the kitchen? Um, forced fermentation is about the only thing that occurs to me. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and, and and you brewers out there, feel free to call your kitchen a lab if you want. You know that's that's all right. <laughs> that's right. Go ahead. Yeah, the wife may snicker, but uh, who cares? Yeah. She doesn't need to know. Does Alton Brown, you know, get offended? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, a forced fermentation is a, is a good way to find out the fermentability of an extract. Um, way out or, uh, or volume uh, calculate a precise amount of extract. 
uh, diluted up to um, say 1040 and uh, and add a packet of yeast to it and force that puppy to ferment as, as much as it can. Mm-hmm. Warm um, warm fermentation, you know, 80 degrees. Yeah. Uh, use the same yeast in all of them. Just agitate, swirl, agitate. Um, yeah. And, and then uh, take a gravity reading after mm-hmm. a couple of days and it'll, it should be down there, you know, 10, anywhere from um, 10, 8 to 10, 14, you know, depending on the extract. Mm-hmm. Some extracts are going to be higher, ten twenty, but uh, you know a lot of the a lot of the good extracts, like as we were saying, Muntins or mm-hmm. Brees or Coopers, you know, will be down there around ten ten. So one of the tricks on this, though, is uh, if you're going to do this kind of test, you don't want to do it uh, necessarily at the high gravity that you're going to be brewing, or even higher. You want to do it at a lower gravity. So you know that the limits you're reaching is limits of fermentability of the extract, not limits of the fermentability of the yeast and yeast health issues and things like that, right? Or pitching rates. You want to make sure that what you're really determining is, okay, how much of that extract is completely fermentable and how much is unfermentable sugars? Yeah. And, you know, that should should give you a pretty good idea. Of course, it's going to vary if you use an ale yeast or a lager yeast because lager yeasts are able to consume uh, some of the more complex sugars that ale yeast can't. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I'd say if you're making, uh, you know, Bach beer and it's going to be a lager, yeah, okay, go ahead, use lager yeast if in your test. If it's going to be uh, an ale that you're brewing, then uh, definitely stick with ale yeast. And that gives you a pretty good idea of fermentability. Right. Okay. All right. Uh, now, what else about uh, selecting extracts? Um, you know, how about uh, you know measuring your extract when you're measuring? Um, you know, dried extract, liquid extract. Do you need uh-huh. to know uh, also? Uh, you know, how much. Uh, sugar contribution you're going to get, or you know, specific gravity contribution you're going to get from these things. Well, yeah, um, you know, we we often talk about points per pound per gallon mm-hmm. um, as a very convenient way of of talking about potential extract. And um, so when I when I've done these sorts of uh, experiments in the past, I'll generally put in um, a quarter pound of extract. Uh, and mix it with uh, water until I get one quart of wort. Mm-hmm. That comes out to a one pound per gallon, uh, you know, ratio. Mm-hmm. And um, so that gives me, you know, first off, it gives me the OG. You know, is this liquid malt extract I'm working with? Mm-hmm. Is it thirty six points pound per pound per gallon, or is it only thirty five, or is it? You know, where is it more? Is it 38? 38, right. Yeah. Well, and, and the important thing here is if you're using, uh, you know, 10, 20 pounds of this stuff, um, you know, that small difference is multiplied across yeah. that. And, and this may be, you know, uh, part of the reason you're getting uh, too high gravity, too low gravity. It's important to know that. Uh, and I want to uh, reemphasize what you're saying there is what you're trying to measure is points per per pound per gallon, and which is you know one pound of extract mixed up with water to make exactly one gallon. It's not a gallon of water right. and add a pound of extract. The final volume is exactly one gallon, and then you know mixed up thoroughly and then measure it 
and then you can do your fermentation trials with that. But John's talking using a, a, a quarter pound in a uh, a quart to make up a quart of liquid, and that right. gives you the same ratio. It's still points per per pound per gallon. Yeah, and I should mention that um, points per pound per gallon is equivalent to liter degrees per kilogram. It's just algebraically, you know, um, flipped. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if you stack the units up and you know algebraically, um, points per pound per gallon, uh, while it trips off the tongue easily, yeah, should be more correctly stated as um, point gallons per pound, but just like liter degrees per kilogram. So apply your conversion factors: eight point three four five four. Um, liter degrees per kilo or times point, points per pound per gallon to get liter degrees per kilogram. Same difference. All right. So, uh, uh, you know, that's an important thing. And also, uh, you know, if you're working with, uh, and one of the reasons that the, these, uh, it's important to do these kinds of tests is that, uh, you know, different liquid extracts are, you know, condensed different, down yeah. to different concentrations. They may all seem real syrupy and thick. But, uh, you know, a 1% or 2% difference uh, in the concentration is going to make a big difference in, you know, how you mix these things up. Same thing goes with, uh, you know, dry malt extract. If you're storing it in a high humidity area, it's going to pick up a little bit more water weight. Yeah. And when you measure that, you know, you may end up, uh, you know, throwing you off as well, and you'll end up with not enough uh, gravity points. As, yeah. For dry malt extract, I mean, is a little more consistent because you know if it's free flowing it's going to be uh and it's all malt it's going to be pretty close to 42 points per pound per gallon mm-hmm. but if it's clumpy mm-hmm. now you you know you've got you've got more water in there and it's sticking together and forming chunks mm-hmm. you know you may be down to 40 or something like that mm-hmm. but uh again you know water savvy yeah 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 weigh it out check your gravity at you know one at one gallon of work and uh, you know, and start your calculations from there. Right. And uh, if you, you know, pick a pick an easy number, say like a gravity of ten forty or ten fifty, you know, you know that the yeast. You know, and if you use say a, a whole packet or half a packet of yeast on one gallon of of wort, it's going to have no problem fermenting that. You know, we're not going to be overtaxing the yeast at all. Mm-hmm. So the only real variable is the extract itself, not the yeast health, not the vitality, and so on. Mm-hmm. We can drive that to its lowest, you know, and really determine the fermentability of that particular wort. Well, if and you want to check the uh, you know, starting gravity of of uh, or the uh, uh, specific gravity contribution of a, an extract, you can even you know if you're if you're worried about. Uh, you know, the cost of, of using up a quarter pound of extract, then you can actually toss that into the boil and, you know, go from it from there. Be all right. Yeah, that's true. Not a, not a problem. Of course, once you ferment it out, then that's a different story. But, uh, uh, you know, if you haven't fermented it, you can always toss it in the boil, sanitize it, and, you know, add to whatever beer you're making that day. So it won't go to waste. All right. Well, let's take a short break. And when we come back, we'll wrap things up. Back okay. after this. Right. 
Strong. This is Brew Strong. Cutting edge equipment from Blickman Engineering is designed by brewers to make your brew day shorter, more enjoyable, and to give you a sense of pride in your equipment. At Blickman, they know what makes brewing a pain and build gear that makes it fun. Like the Intuitive Beer Gun, a completely different approach to filling bottles. The Therminator Wart Chiller, a new take on a plate chiller that's sized for flow, performance, and the high groundwater temps homebrewers face every day. The Brewmometer, a brilliant weldless thermometer design with brewing parameters right on the dial. The Auto Sparge, ultimate simplicity for preventing an overflow or running your mash tun dry. And much more, like the modular top-tier brewing stand, conical fermenters, and their boiler maker brew pots. With more cutting-edge equipment coming soon, keep up with the latest from Blickman at BlickmanEngineering.com and stay on the cutting edge. Nico, listen, our lawyer said that we had to do this for one hour, and after this, we don't have to talk to each other for three more months and to the next meeting. Kids. Come on, let's get out of here. I'm supposed to have more lines. I'm the professional. <clears throat> Hey, it's Sully. And I'm Nico. And we opened the 21st Amendment 10 years ago at 563 2nd Street in San Francisco, just two blocks from Giants Park, to make great beer and have a great time doing it. That's right, because to us, the 21st Amendment is more than just the right to make beer. It's the right to experiment, to be innovative, and just do things differently. And so now, we're putting our craft beer in cans. That's right, cans. You can find our world-famous Heller High Watermelon Wheat Beer at Brew for Your Die IPA in the Northeast, Northwest, parts of the Midwest, and Alaska in cans and on draft. So next time you're at your local neighborhood pub or good beer store, be sure to ask for 21st Amendment in cans. Because everyone likes it in the can. Tasty Crack Cans. Tasty Crack Cans. Williams Brewing is your online resource for prompt delivery of quality home brewing supplies. Since 1979, Williams Brewing has offered the finest equipment and freshest ingredients and the best customer service in the business. Cut hours off your brewing sessions by using one of our 11 varieties of famous Williams malt extract. Our Williams Belgian Pale Extract is mashed with pure Belgian two-row malt and a small percentage of Belgian wheat malt for an authentic Belgian character you just can't get from other extracts. Or check out our unique fermenters, two-and-a-half-gallon kegs, paintball tank-based draft beer equipment, bottling aids, and much more. We even have our own line of precision hydrometers. Go to williamsbrewing.com to browse our vast selection. That's williamsbrewing.com. Orders placed by 3.30 p.m. Pacific time ship the same day. Brewing is easy. The Williams way. Hey, what are you doing, man? Writing a review of WLP 400. What? You're reviewing yeast? Yeah. White Labs has home brewer reviews of all their strains. Are you new to these interwebs? Check it out. That's awesome. 
White Labs, your source for great yeast, invites all brewers to visit whitelabs.com to read and write your own reviews of all their yeast strains. Get real-world tips and tricks from other brewers who have made the most of their vials and post your own experiences. It's another way White Labs brings you closer to the best yeast on the planet. And send. There you go. You misspelled flocculate, dude. What? Ah, mother... White Labs. It's all in the vial. Organic ingredients. Fresh, clean, good for you, good for the planet. Seven Bridges has the best selection of organic ingredients, including over 27 varieties of organic hops at breworganic.com. Join their mailing list for special deals and regular updates. They've been brewing organic and serving organic brewers for 13 years. They can help you brew great organic beer. And Seven Bridges is the proud host of the fourth annual National Organic Brewing Challenge, the only BJCP-sanctioned nationwide brewing competition just for organic beers. Take the challenge this fall for a chance to win great prizes, including stainless steel brew kettles and organic brewing ingredients. This year, the challenge will be judged in two locations, on the East Coast at Capital City Brewing in Arlington, Virginia, and on the West Coast at Gordon Biersch in San Jose, California. For complete details, visit breworganic.com slash competition. Seven Bridges is cooperatively owned in awesome Santa Cruz, California. Everyone there is dedicated to great beer and people-friendly business practices. They offer environmentally friendly, free trade, and fair wage brewing products whenever possible. Seven Bridges, breworganic.com. Sit down next to it, grab yourself a paper towel, and watch those yeast have sex. You're listening to the Brewing Network. Like the Lance Armstrong of the beer world. Except for that nut thing. This is Brew Strong. All right, we're back. We're wrapping up our first in the series of uh, high-gravity brewing shows. Yep. And uh, we've talked about uh, you know, why fermentability is important um, mm-hmm. and how to determine the fermentability of the extract you have and um, you know, also uh, you know, why you want to pick a pale extract perhaps over a, uh, you know, a darker flavored extract or something like that. Yeah. I was going to say, let's uh, kind of summarize you know, what three ways that you can brew a high gravity you know, wort. Um, one is by adding simple sugars. Mm-hmm. Uh, another is by adding uh, malt extract mm-hmm. to your to your all grain wort. Mm-hmm. And the third is by driving the uh, the fermentability of the mash up with uh, lower mash temperatures, you know, mm-hmm. 145 degrees Fahrenheit or mm-hmm. um, 50 degrees uh, centigrade. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, those are those are or good tips. Sixty, sorry, sixty recentered. Yeah. Well, and uh, what we should do is uh, on our next show in in this series, we'll be getting into you know how you prepare a mash uh, for a high gravity beer, how you use your extract to make a high gravity wort for your high gravity beer. Yeah. Right. Uh, and uh, you know, if you're listening live, stay tuned. That one's coming up. Uh, right away and uh, if you're on the uh, archives it's going to be about two weeks uh justin we got any questions from the chat yeah one good question was a private message to me here a uh, listener wants to know uh, how do i know what fermentability to expect from a given wort right so you've you've made your wort you're you know you've added all these other specialty grains and you know perhaps what the fermentability is of your extract but now you've added 
other sugars in there with specialty grains. You've boiled it. You've changed the volume. You've probably, uh, you know, melanoid formation, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. Uh, or you've, uh, you know, done a mash and you only have your idea of what it's supposed to ferment to. Yeah. Um, how do you check to see now that you've got your wort? How do you know how much uh, a high gravity beer should attenuate? Yeah, well, we, one one aspect we touched on earlier, and that is a forced fermentation. Mm-hmm. You know, to you know, make up that wort and dry, you know, and uh, take a sample of it and pitch a whole bunch of yeast to it, and you know, do it warm, seventy five, eighty degrees. And you will get, you know, that final attenuation within a day or two. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other way is you can kind of estimate it. A uh, couple rules of thumb. Uh, most all-grain worts are 75 to 80% fermentable. Um, and so you can say that, you know, let, um, if I'm going to start out with a, uh, say, a 1080 beer, and I'm going to say that beer is 75% of fermentable. Well, 75% of 80 is uh, 60. So that you subtract six, that 60 points and that 1080 at 75% fermentability would finish out about 1020. Mm-hmm. Um, if you add simple sugars to that, such as table sugar, sucrose, or dextrose, um, which is glucose, same thing, uh, corn sugar, uh, that's 100% fermentable. And, you know, so you can uh, take into account any water weight. You would say that, you know, would go to, well, actually, come to think of it, I don't remember what the final gravity of uh, table sugar works out to be. Because mm-hmm. uh, I think it actually ends up less than like 99.7. Mm-hmm. Do you remember? I don't remember. Oh uh, yeah, once the alcohol's in there, sure. Yeah, I, I think it. Yeah, it goes down a couple points below zero, right. but you know, it, call it zero for practical right. purposes. So you know, ratio that out. You say you've got you know two pounds of sugar and you know um, eight pounds of uh, malt mm-hmm. or malt-based sugars that are going to ferment down. You know, let's say eight pounds going to ten twenty and two pounds going to zero. You know, average it out. And that's that's your estimated final gravity, right? And uh, you know it's a, a good way to estimate. And uh, you know the the surest way is to when you're pulling off your uh, <coughs> your your wort. Yeah, what are you pulling off? <laughs> yeah, okay. Oh, oh, my wort. Yeah, you're pulling yeah. off your wort. Yeah. Snap off a fresh piece yeah. of wort. S- snap yourself off a fresh piece of that wort. Yeah. Um, yeah. Snap yourself off a piece into uh, into another container. And, uh, you know, chill that down, pitch uh, the same yeast you're using for your batch, and, yep. uh, you know, ferment it warm. You can go 80, 85 degrees. Uh, don't exceed 85 degrees. And, uh, you know, shake it uh, every so often, and uh, you should be able to see the maximum attenuation possible. Now, keep in mind, with a, uh, with a normal fermentation on a high-gravity beer, you tend to experience slightly less attenuation than the maximum possible. Uh, but that should give you an idea, and you want to come close to that. But if you're short a, a couple of points on a on a one point one hundred beer, um, not a big deal. Um, you've done marvelously on your attenuation. We'll get into uh, you know fermentation in in a, uh, a show coming up in this series. But that's it for uh, this show. 
We uh, hope you stick around for uh, all the rest of this High Gravity series. I think it's a great uh, subject, really near and dear to a lot of homebrewers' hearts because I love making those uh, wild out there big special beers. And and, uh, if you don't know how to do high gravity brewing, uh, they just won't turn out well. I'll tell you, one thing that does turn out well is uh, our great sponsor, Blickman Engineering. Check it out, BlickmanEngineering.com. Uh, check out the, the Brewing Network store. I want you to buy a Brew Strong shirt. you got plenty of time before the conference. I want you to go buy one, take it to the conference, show up at the conference, um, and uh, John will be carrying around a silver uh, pen, and he'll, he'll mark those. He'll sign all those shirts for you. Yeah. So uh, and I will too. Uh, that's fine. But uh, Palmer signs thongs also. He likes thongs. He likes the thongs. So <laughs> so tear it up and, and wear it as a thong. It'll be perfect. But uh, check that out in the store. There's a lot of other good stuff in there. If you don't like the Bruce Strong shirts, get yourself a hop grenade shirt. Those are cool too. And uh, we got books. We got all all sorts of goodies. You can actually uh, sign up for B- BYO magazine, Zymergy, all that, and a portion goes to the Ring Network. Helps keep this programming alive. So uh, you know. Crack the wallet and, uh, and and find something good on there and uh, bring it with you to uh, NHC. And Palmer and I will gladly uh, thumb through it and tear out a page and take it home or something. Anyways, <laughs> I hope uh, you enjoyed this show and uh, the many more coming up after it. And uh, if you get a chance, uh, make sure you say hi. We'll also be at uh, Northern Brewer. And, uh on the Wednesday. Yeah. On the Wednesday. Yeah. I'm going to be on there on the Tuesday, too, and then be in at 5. All right. Until then, we're strong. We're strong, everybody.